Welcome to the weekly podcast for City Chapel at Slaughter Creek, the world's okayest church, right here in Austin. Get to know us better at citychapelchurch.com. We're so glad that you joined us today and hope you enjoy the message. Conventional faith from mediocre faith to wild faith to next level faith. And man, do we need it in this season. I had no idea how much we would need it when we were talking about preaching through Habakkuk and uh, even developed this sermon title, sermon series title, Wild Faith. I had no idea how wild it would be. (laughs) I thought it would be a little more domesticated than this, but it's wild, 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 wild stuff. I tell you, it's wild stuff. It's another quote, but anyway, uh, Habakkuk chapter 2. And, um, and let's just start at verse 2 for those that haven't been with us for a while. Then the Lord answered and said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. This is the New King James. Is that the same one we have up there? That he may run who reads it. So he's talking about a herald. I, I like how the NIV mentions the, the word herald. So write it down so that we can deliver this to other people. For the vision... This is the reason why he wants them to write it down. The vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it because it will surely come. It will not tarry. It's interesting in verse 3. Verse 3 is going to be the pivotal point for the next few weeks for us because in verse 3 God says this vision is for an appointed time. Specifically, he says at the end. It's for the end. And what was interesting is at this time in history, God is speaking to three different prophets about the end. He's speaking to Jeremiah roughly around the same time about the end. He's speaking to um, Daniel roughly around this same time about the end. Anybody who studies the book of Revelation also studies the book of Daniel, which Rose has been walking through the book of Revelation. Come on, somebody. So he's studying the book, of, the book of Daniel because God's speaking about the end, and now he's speaking to Habakkuk about the end, about end times. So I'm not a big end times preacher. I don't usually have charts and graphs, but I am actually next week I'm going to break out a chart. We're going to have a chart, and we're going to break down one of the dreams of Nebuchadnezzar that Daniel interprets. It's interesting because there's five different layers to the interpretation of the dream. And here in Habakkuk chapter 2, there's five different um, woes is what they call it, the five woes. So I know it sounds discouraging. (laughs) I want to skip the next few weeks. No, it's it's, it's really not that bad. Um, But it is true that God's word isn't always positive. God doesn't only talk in in K-love language. He's not always positive he, because, his, because the, the reality isn't always positive. I mean, if someone would have come and told me in, in January of 2020, hey, in, in August, you will only have X amount of people in your building. They'll all have face masks. You'll get in trouble for hugging the guy on the stage. You know, if they would have told me these things, and there will be riots almost every night in Austin. People will actually get shot and killed. Stuff will get, police cars will be being burned. If they would have told me these things, I would have said, well, that sounds kind of negative. <laughs> Welcome to reality, folks. God lives in reality. God doesn't live on some weird, everything's going to be all right, kind of weird, like, he's not, he, he is in reality, he's grounded in reality, but the word of God is meant to build your faith. 
And faith is not based on, oh, it's going to be a good outcome or, oh, everything is going to be rosy and it's going to be lovely and I'm going to prosper and my bank account is going to be full and, and, and I'm never going to get sick. Faith is not a positive outcome. Faith is a belief in a positive God, a God who has good plans for me, a God who has a good uh, goal for me and who is doing good things on my behalf. Even when I can't see him, he's taking care of me and I believe in him. And so, so the word of God, even the negative stuff, which is almost every book of the Bible, by the way. There's, there's some negative stuff. Even the negative stuff that God shares with Habakkuk, he doesn't want Habakkuk to become distracted and, and discouraged and down on himself and woe is me. He doesn't want Habakkuk to go buy a bunch of MREs and stock up on ammo, come on somebody, and get the giant deep freezer to be able to weather, you know, the stuff. That, no, he's not telling Habakkuk, look, if you hear an end time prophecy and it and it generates fear inside of you, it may not be the prophecy that's the problem. It might be the fear that's inside of you, a lack of trust in God. If you listen to an end time prophecy and it generates fear inside of you, you need to check your heart and say, this may be actually from God, but God does not give me a spirit of fear. He doesn't want me to respond in fear. He wants me to respond in faith. So even if, here's a good question, even if, will you still trust God? Even if, fill in the blank, whatever that is, will you still believe that God is good and he's working on your behalf? This is the great question of faith. God is going to deliver some negative stuff and we're going to see over the next few weeks the five woes. It, sound, it is as bad as it sounds. These are not cheerful. These are not joyful. These are five negative things that are coming because of Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians. These are five things not only that are coming in Habakkuk's time, which they actually didn't come in Habakkuk's lifetime. These are five things that are coming in, I believe, our lifetime or in the end. I think we're getting closer and closer and closer than we've ever been. And so I'm very, I'm, I'm fascinated that God would have me preach on these five woes in this same season, in a season of unrest and in a season of uncertainty, that God would sometimes deliver a negative message, but not for a negative purpose, rather to give us some knowledge to plant the seed of faith in. Faith must be planted in knowledge. You cannot simply have faith in, in, in a hopeful idea. There must be concrete knowledge. And sometimes the knowledge is something that hasn't even happened yet. But God is fast-forwarding Habakkuk's view, and he's starting off by giving him a lens through which to see the negative prophecies. There's a guy floating around right now, I know on YouTube, Pastor Dana or whatever his name is, and he's like from Kentucky or somewhere. His accent is like, He's from Kentucky. I don't know. He's roughly the middle of America. And um, he had these dreams, and they're kind of negative. And I know some of our church members have sent it to me and asked what I thought. And my basic thought is the guy seems pretty honest. He seems pretty upstanding. Sounds like maybe he's actually a follower of Jesus. And I don't know. Maybe his dreams are true. But nevertheless, the purpose of prophetic prophecy, whether it's positive or negative, is not to stir up fear inside of you, and it's also not to stir up self-confidence. So if you hear Pastor Dana's stuff, and you say, oh, this is what I can do. I can do this, I can do that, and I can do that to prevent or to, to make my life easier, uh, no, that's the wrong response. <laughs> if, you, if, if, if you listen to and you, you hear that, that, that bad things are coming to America, well, they're already here, but anyway, if you listen to badder things are coming to quote my kids badder things are coming and and that causes you to rely on yourself 
and to rely on your prepper whatever, then you've missed the point. You've completely missed the point. The purpose of revelation, even prophetic revelation, is not so that you are, quote, ready to defend yourself. The purpose is so that when it happens, you can say, God already foretold this. He's already in control. He's got it covered. Come on, somebody. It's the confidence. God has it covered. And this is what God is telling Habakkuk before he gets into the negative stuff. He says, look, verse 4, look at, he says, he says, behold the proud. His soul is not upright within him, but the just shall live by faith. Habakkuk, let me give you a lens through which to see the crisis you are about to go through. Because it's not, the, the problem is not the crisis. The problem is how you view the crisis, the lens that you see the crisis through. And so he says already, he says, look, the proud rely on themselves. The proud try to prepare for themselves. The proud depend on themselves. But the just shall live by faith. That is dependence on God. That is leaning on him. That is saying, look, if he doesn't come through, I don't have any other options. I believe God is my provider. God is my defender. And God is everything that I need. So this is, this, this is it. This is the lens. You must have a lens of faith, even as you see negative circumstances, even in the current crisis we are in. Like, forget about crisis that's coming. What about the pandemic? What about the crisis we're currently living in? Are you viewing this crisis through the lens of faith, or are you viewing it through the lens of self-sufficiency? Are you wondering how long you can make it through? Are you looking to yourself or are you looking to a person? Well, I need such and such. I need Pastor Harry to call me in order for me to make it through this. No, the just shall live by faith, not by their pastors. The just shall live by faith, not by their church friends. The just shall live by faith, not by their expectations. The just shall live by faith in God and God alone. He is the author. He is the finisher of your faith. I'm just the middleman pointing you to him. I'm not the one that's going to get you through anything. <laughs> Trust me. Talk to my family. I'm not the one that's going to get you through anything. I can't. I can barely get myself. I am relying on God to get me through. I'm not carrying you too. Lord, you got like, no, it, this, is a, this is a person, this is a walk with Jesus. And I'm here to point you to the source of life. And it's not me, and it's not City Chapel, and it's not this live feed. I'm glad you tuned in, but this isn't going to get you through. You must have Jesus. You must have Jesus. He, he alone, the just shall live by faith. Now, in verse 5, he goes on to continue talking about this proud individual. He, he labels him as a he. I believe he's talking about Nebuchadnezzar, the sort of the, the leader of the Babylonians. But it's, it's really encompassing all of Babylon, really. He says, indeed, because he transgresses by wine, he is a proud man, and he does not stay at home because he enlarges his desire as hell. In other words, he's greedy. Hell is never satisfied, neither is Nebuchadnezzar. He is like death, cannot be satisfied. He gathers to himself all nations and heaps up for himself all peoples. Will not all these, these people, take up a proverb against him and a taunting riddle against him and say, woe to him. That's the first woe. In other words, most of chapter 2, which we're going to get into next week, this is, a, this is a long introduction for next week, but it's, it's really important. It, honestly, this sermon is kind of an introduction for next week. Much of what we're going to get into 
is not even God's words. God is quoting the people who were oppressed by the Babylonians. He's quoting them. The five woes all come from their mouths. He says, look, won't they take up a proverb and a riddle, and won't they start taunting the Babylonians? Now, they aren't taunting them now, but they will. And the five woes have uh, different angles of how they will view them once, they, once Babylon falls. And it's, and it's interesting. But before that, I want to talk about this lens, this lens of faith. The just shall live by faith. Faith is a lens through which we see our crisis. Faith is a lens through which we see our crisis. You, you really need to see your crisis through faith. You really need to see this current crisis through faith and any future crisis. Hebrews chapter 2, uh, let's start at verse 8. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 8 says that you have put all things in subjection under his feet. And this is, a, this is a quote from Psalms that the writer of Hebrews is taking and applying to Jesus. He says, For in that he, God, put all in subjection under him, Jesus, he left nothing that is not put under him. But now, and this is important, we do not yet see all things put under him. In other words, there's some things that have happened that we don't yet see the result of. That's what faith is, believing that those things happened. But he says, look, there are things that all things have been put under his feet, but we don't yet see all things put under his feet. But here's what we do see. And by the way, this is enough. He says in verse 9, but we do see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels. That's when he, that's the incarnation. That's when he came down as man and for the suffering of death crowned with glory and honor that he by the grace of God might taste death for everyone in other words the cross has got to be your lens for the current crisis come on the 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 crisis that you're in if you don't see that through the cross then you are not going to accurately understand what's happening to you the cross, it's like I, I remember back in January, all the preachers were doing the, the 2020 vision. Remember 2020 vision, all those sermon series about 20? <laughs> how'd that work out? Uh, I'm glad I didn't do that. I dodged a bullet there. Uh, but no, it was all like, you know, 2020, and so God give us 2020. I, I don't know anybody that saw this coming, except maybe Pastor Dana, apparently. But, you know, I mean, like the 2020 vision... Man, we need, we need a cross through which to see 2020. Because if you just see 2020 through your own vision, you're going to be discouraged, you're going to be broken, you're going to be sorrowful, you're going to be scared, you're, you're, you're going to be bitter, you're going to be all kinds of things that are not from God. And so we need a lens through which to see 2020. I was, I was at the airport and I was checking my baggage, and the lady behind the counter, she's like, she said something about, yeah, I have 2020 memory. And I was like, 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 like an elephant? <laughs> I don't know, like, you know? And she's like, eh, eh. she didn't, she's like, well, you know, the saying. I'm like, well, it's not a saying. It's, it's, it's an actual, like, those numbers mean something. And it's visual, and anyway. So, yeah, no, it's not a memory thing. It's a vision thing. And, uh, I, but no, we need the vision. And the cross is the lens for 2020. You need to view your crisis through the cross. It's so important. That you and I view our current crisis through the cross. There's so many different ways to view it. There's so many different ways to concentrate on it. 
but we must see it through the cross. If we go to 2 Corinthians verses 5, uh, uh, or chapter 5, verses, uh, I guess, I, I want to read from 16. This probably isn't on the screen, but verse 16 is so interesting. So from now on, we regard no one, he says, from a worldly point of view. In other words, our vision, our lens has changed. We don't view face-covering people versus unface-covering people through a worldly view. We don't view white people versus brown and black people through a worldly view. We view no one, he says in verse 16, from a worldly point of view, though we once regarded Christ in this way. But, he says, we do so no longer. See, how you view Christ will affect how you view everything else. He is the lens. The cross is the lens. What you do with the cross, what you do with Christ, suddenly starts showing up in all of the rest of your viewpoints on life. You, you will see others through the lens, either of the cross or of the world. These are the two options. There are two people in the world, people who view their life through the cross and people who view their life through the context of the God of this world. And what he is shoving down their throats what he is putting on the news what he is putting on their news feeds every single day what's coming across on the radio you will view all of life through one of two angles from the world view according to verse 16 here a worldly point of view though we once regarded christ in this way but we do so no longer therefore he says in verse 17 if anyone is in christ the new creation has come the old is gone the new is here this is the niv version all this is from god he says who reconciled us to himself through christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. In other words, he was doing something new in Christ, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Now, this is the verse that will be on your screen. This is where I want to focus. Verse 20, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. We are the ambassadors of hope. We are the ambassadors of forgiveness. We are the ambassadors of mercy. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors or representatives as though God were making his appeal through us. We beg you, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Now, how do we do that? Verse 21, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I want to focus on this last verse because this is probably one of the most confused verses in the Bible. Um, <clears throat> it's interesting, even in, even in my NIV right here, uh, here in the Bible, there's a, in, in, my, in my online Bible, there's a button. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get to that in a minute. Because there's a button... Uh, that, that you can click on uh, right after it says God made him who had no sin to be sin. There's a button after to be sin, and there's, a, there's another definition, to be a sin offering, which is actually a lot closer to the original translation. So kudos to the NIV for that. Um, but in, even in the New King James, the, the words to be sin are, are in italics, which means they're not exactly there. And a lot of manuscripts disagree that they should be there at all. And, it's, and it does get quite confusing. If you think of Jesus becoming sin, well, that's weird. How can God become anything? He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus doesn't change. So he couldn't have become a toad or a frog or sin or more righteous or an angel. He doesn't, he doesn't morph. He doesn't change into anything. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So we know that he didn't actually be or become sin. 
But rather, I mean, uh, the NIV says he was a sin offering. That's, that's, that's a good way, I think, to say it. But actually, when you go into the original language, and I don't have this on the screen, um, but actually this Wednesday, Bailey wants me to do a little Bible study talk on, on, for my Wednesday check-in on Facebook. So if you check in on Facebook on Wednesday sometime in the afternoon, I'm going to go live, and I'm going to talk to you about... Um, how I study the Bible and answer any questions you might have, okay? But what I do is I go to blueletterbible.org and I pull up the verse and I look at the interlinear so I can look at the original language. And now we can pull up Harry's translation if you want. Harry's translation is kind of, the way I got to this is from the original language. This isn't the actual Bible, so take it with a grain of salt, all right? This is the message from Harry. Um, Anyway, and so this is kind of the way that it reads, though, in the original language. And it's a little bit backward, so you have to bear with me. Uh, it says, for the one who never knew sin, uh, harmatia is the word there. Which, weirdly enough, harmatia is what they translate to be sin. But that's weird. Harmatia just means sin. It is missing the mark. It is falling short of the glory of God. It is willfully turning away from a path that God's told you to go on. These are all different definitions within Strong's Concordance, okay, for harmatia. So he says, for the one who never knew sin, not the one who never did sin, but the one who never even knew it. He never knew what it was to do sin. That's Jesus. For the one who never knew sin, and then there's this little phrase, on behalf of us. Uh, the, the, the Greek words are hemon, uh, or uh, huper hemon. So not to get too technical, but huper means on behalf, hemon is of us. But the word huper is actually, it's a preposition, it's a, and, it's, and it has a position to the primary thing you're talking about. So the position of huper is to be above or over something. So he did do what he did. He did it on our behalf and for our benefit, but he also did it above us. In other words, he didn't, he didn't need you to do anything with regard to what he did. He is above, the cross is above our pay grade. The cross is above our understanding. The cross is above our reach. The cross is above our ability to get up to God. He did something on a whole nother level. He, he did something up here so that when we were down here, we could eventually come up here. You know what I'm saying? He did something above us, which means without us, without our help, without our aid, without our repentance, without anything, while we were yet sinners, Christ was above us. And it also means that the cross, man, the cross covers everybody. The cross is over everybody. I don't care what you've done or what you've thought about doing. The cross it covers you. The cross is over you. I'm so thankful that my past is covered by the cross. My present is covered by the cross. My future, whatever I might face, it's been covered, paid in full, dealt with already by the cross. On our behalf, he did something over us and above us without asking our permission or asking our involvement. He alone did it. So there's no religious works that can add to it. He did it above us, but he did it for us on our behalf. He stepped into time and did something for us. Now, we need to access that through repentance and through faith, but it's right there. It's right there. It's available to all of us. So he did this on behalf of us. And that's a weird way to say it, but that's kind of the way the Greek goes. And then this is what he did, was made to carry sin so that we might be made to become righteous from God in him. So the, the word actually here is 
epoiasin, was made to carry. That word is interesting because it can mean a sev several number of things. It means to make to fulfill a promise. Come on, Jesus fulfilled the 3,000-year-old promise that God had made to Abraham. On the cross, he was fulfilling the promise he made to Abraham that through his seed, all the, all the nations of the world would be blessed. He was fulfilling a promise that he made to David that, that someone from his body would sit on the throne forever and the government will be on his shoulders and of his kingdom there will be no end. On the cross, he was fulfilling promises. And by the way, he was fulfilling promises that he's made to you and to me. When he said that, that, when he said that whoever believes in him to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, that was through the cross. He's fulfilling every promise that's fulfilled at the cross. We don't need to wait for God to do anything. He has already done the amazing work of the cross. He was made to carry, to fulfill a promise or to present. Another word is to present, to present sin. He was made to bring sin out, to grab it from us and take it upon himself. That's, what, that, that, that's why the, the sin offering is a good description in the NIV, because that's what the sin offering would do. The sin offering would take the sin, he wouldn't become sin, but he would take it on his own shoulders, and he would take it to a place of death. He would take it to a place of destruction, and there God would break the back of the power of sin in your life through the physical body of Jesus. That he took your sin, my sin, in his body on the tree that we being dead to sin might live unto righteousness, right? So he takes it upon himself. It does not become him, but he carries it. That's why I like the word carry because he bore something so that you and I can become something. And for over here, this word to become, that he would, that we might be made to become, that's genomai. That means a new creation. That means to literally make something, to change the actual substance of something. He bore something so that you and I might become something. What might, he bore sin so that we might become righteous. And it is the kind of righteousness which is from God. Not from your works, not from your faithfulness, but from your faith in Jesus. Once again, God is not asking the world to do something. He's asking the world to believe something. And when God reveals the negative future to Habakkuk, He's not asking Habakkuk to do something. He's asking Habakkuk to believe something. For the just shall live by faith. And this is when we believe. Then we grab a hold of what was done for us. And the cross of Jesus covers us. So what I want to do today is just move into the cross. I, I just want to spend the remain, remaining few minutes here on the cross. I want to talk about the cross. And I, I don't know, I was planning on preaching through the cross, but I kind of feel like we need to pray. I kind of feel like this kind of thing is only going to be received through faith, not through a cognitive new understanding. And so, um, I don't know, uh, Daniel, this is your last Sunday. How about you go play the piano a little bit Nothing crazy, not like Bach or Beethoven or anything. Just, just like, and uh, sorry, sound guys, you guys just have to kind of figure all that out. But it's kind of on the fly. I don't know. I, I just, I, I just during during worship, I was sensing that there are things that need to be broken. They're not going to be broken through preaching. And so I can point you to the cross, but the freedom you need is not going to come through a description. It's going to come through a revelation. And so whether you're watching right, right, right now, watching online, or if you're here in the room, 
probably most people are watching online, so I'll be looking at the camera. But I want to I want to pray over you. I want to speak to you. I want to declare the word of God over you. And I want you to get in that in a place of receiving. I want you to block out all distractions and get rid of all uh, uh, other radios that are on and news feeds and stuff. I want, I want you to stop scrolling. And I want you to turn your eyes upon Jesus. What is it, the, the, the old song? Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim. Leonard Ravenhill said they'll grow strangely grim <laughs> because you'll start to see the darkness of the world as you see the rain of grace. So I want to talk about the cross. And the cross is not just something that was done over us. It was something that was done over us so that we could look up to it. So that, as Paul said, we run this race with endurance, looking up unto Jesus. We live our life through the view of the cross. So I want to just, in your mind, I want you just to go to the cross in your mind, whatever you know of the cross. I don't know, maybe you watched the, uh, some movie on the crucifixion or something. Maybe you've seen a poster or a picture. The simple, and I, 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 I want to look at Jesus and what he means for us. Specifically, <clears throat> as I was praying over the cross this week, I was, I was just praying about that I, I, I see three different applications for every, every part of the cross. There is the physical. Christ, uh, the scripture says he, was, he, he bore our sicknesses and carried our diseases. There's the physical. And I see healing coming to people in the physical realm as they see their sickness through the cross. I see breakthrough coming in the physical realm as they see their bodies through the lens of the cross. The crisis you might be in might not even be a COVID-19 crisis. It might be a cancer crisis. It might be an infertility crisis. But I'm telling you, if you can start to see your crisis through the cross, I believe that, every, that God has already covered Everything that you're facing, everything that you're about to face, he knew what you were going to go through before you went through it, and he made provision for you. This week, Rose said something that I thought was really great. She said, uh, she said, so many times we ask God for strength to carry things, carry our weaknesses, carry our sicknesses, carry our trauma that's happened to us, whatever. Like we ask God, just Lord, give me strength to carry this. But she said, really, the, the, the gospel is that we don't carry things that Jesus already carried for us our sins. Jesus already carried our sicknesses. Jesus already carried our trauma to the cross. And it's not to say that we haven't gone through it. It's not to deny that. But it is to say that once we come to Jesus, we don't have to carry it anymore. We can let him carry it. You don't need to be Superman or Superwoman to carry anything. He's not going to turn you into superhuman. He's going to ask you to give it to him, to lay it at his feet, to cast all our cares on him, for he cares for us. He bore it on himself that we might be alive. He carried something so that we could be created into something. He bore something so we could become something. And so as we look at the cross, I'm telling you, this is where freedom is. This is where joy is. This is where hope is. This is where peace is. This is where, this is where the open spaces that we're talking about. This is where all of that comes from. It comes from the cross. It doesn't come from our own intuition, our own, our own desires even. Jesus said, you must be born again. Nicodemus said, how do I do that? Do I climb back up into my mother's womb? And Jesus said, don't be gross. 
Just kidding. He didn't say that. He said, no, man. Like, no, you were born the first time of your mother's will and of a man's will. This time you must be born of the will of God, not of the will of man, not of the plan of man. It is a spiritual birth that must happen. That's why prayer is so important. And so, so let's, 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 let's just work down the cross. If we look at the top of the cross, at the very top of the cross, you're going to see the head of Jesus. You're going to see the, the crown of thorns, what's called a crown. It's really just a bunch of thorns that were wrapped around. They're about three inches, four inches long. These thorns are massive. They were wrapped around in a circle to encompass his head, and they were hammered on his head by like a two-by-four by a board, and they were crushed down into his skull until these, these things are piercing through the, through the skin and into the bone, and, and it's creating such immense pressure. Look, there are three different elements I see at the cross. There's the physical, there's the emotional, and there's the spiritual. Jesus dealt with all three of them at the cross. It doesn't mean you won't ever be sick. It doesn't mean you won't ever be scared. It doesn't mean you won't ever be sinful. It means that when you are those things, and as you have been those things, you can, you can take them to Jesus. And you can view your sickness, your fear, and your sin through the lens of the cross. So I want to talk to that right now. Those of you that have head physical issues, you might have migraines, you might have... Uh, hypertension, tension headaches. You might have issues in your eyes. You might have issues in your in your breathing. You might have issues in your mouth and in your in the in your throat area. You might have issues in your ears. You might have blood clots in your head. You don't even know are there. You might have uh, trauma that's happened to your head. Yeah, we were praying for somebody this week, Michelle uh, Berrigan's niece, I think it was, who got in a car accident and she got a big old cut in her head. So I'm speaking to her right now. I don't even remember. I don't even know her name. Valerie, Valerie, all right, Valerie. I don't know if Valerie's watching, but Valerie, if you can see your trauma through the lens of the cross, Christ received immense pressure on his skull. Immense pain was piercing through his skin. His head was tore open so that your head could be healed. His head was 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 pressed like a like 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 a, like a fruit in a wine press so that your head could receive relief, so that your you could start breathing again, so that your lungs could start working again, so that your ears could be opened again. I'm telling you, will you receive? How you receive physical healing is the same way you receive spiritual healing by faith in the finished work of Jesus on the cross he dealt with all of your headaches on the cross he dealt with all of your head issues all of your trauma from every accident that you've ever been in all of the swelling all of the clots he dealt with it in the cross it's not to say you won't have trauma it is to say he dealt with it I don't know, you might be watching today, you know, you, you don't have these issues, but you know somebody who does. Why don't you share this private message? I don't care if you go public. Just share this with somebody so that they can link their faith with the word of God. This is the cross that we're looking at. Secondly, is the emotional issues. Discouragement is in your head. Defeat, self-defeating talk is coming out of your mouth. You're always beating yourself up and you're never enough and you're constantly, you're, you're thinking about ending your life. Suicidal thoughts are coming into your mind. Oppression, you might be saved, but the enemy can still taunt you and oppress you from a distance. And these temptations are coming into your mind. Lust comes from the eyes and moves and moves into the head and is, and is, and is embedded in there. And you, you may, I don't know what kind of emotional trauma you have and what kind of emotional issues you have and self-loathing thoughts and self-hate hatred thoughts and 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 judgmental thoughts in you this all comes from the mind and you look at others through your eyes through the lens of judgment 
and that was dealt with at the cross. His mind was pressed. He had, he had immense pressure. Not only that, but he had piercing going on as well. There was piercing, which means his blood was shed from his face when his beard was ripped off and from his head when the thorns were pressed into them. And one drop of blood is enough to let you know your value. One drop of God's blood is enough to let you know what he thinks about you. Stop thinking what the enemy thinks. Stop agreeing. Stop coming into agreement with the enemy. Come into agreement with the cross. See your body, your life, your past, your present, your future through the lens of the cross. Your upbringing is through the lens of the cross. Come on, your parents didn't do everything right. You're not doing everything right either. Release them in your mind and let them go. Release all bitterness at the cross. There's no room for bitterness in your mind. There's no room for bitter thoughts. There's no room for rehearsing over and over and over again what people have done to you. Now is the time to lay it down at the foot of the cross. Jesus, from his head, said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. It must, the confession of faith must come from your head. I release them in the name of Jesus. I let go everyone who's ever done anything wrong to me. I release them. They don't have to pay me back they don't have to say they're sorry i release them not because not because they're worthy of it and not because i want to feel better either dear selfish american but because god has already dealt with their sin at the cross and if jesus could release people i can release people and if jesus could speak grace and peace i just call for peace to come into the heads people right now peace joy restore unto them their joy lord Mm. the battlefield of the mind is a real battle but you know what i know a real victor i know a real conqueror who stepped into that battlefield two thousand years ago and won the victory for you and for me stop living in defeat when god has conquered the demons in your mind you might even actually have had literal insanity you might have had actual diagnosable issues Do you think a chemical imbalance is greater than the cross? You need to see all of these things through the cross. Hmm. The spiritual side of it is the sin that is in our minds, the sin that's in our thoughts. It's not the stuff we did, but the stuff we thought about doing. Evil imaginations scripture would say evil imaginations he Christ's head was crushed for the stuff that went on in your head to forgive to put back together your mind to bring you to a place of peace as we move down the cross you see his shoulders which have been lacerated completely by the cat of nine tails the whip This was to cut the tendons in his shoulders. His arms are stretched out. His hands are nailed, actually not his palms, but his wrists would have been nailed to the cross. I don't know what's going on in your hands physically. You might have arthritis, you might have carpal tunnel, you might have issues with your your, uh, tendons in your forearms, you might have muscle uh, muscle spasms, you might have uh, degenerative diseases that are afflicting your hands. And I call right now for you to see those sicknesses, those hurts, those aches, those pains through the cross. Broken bones be healed in the name of Jesus because of the hands that were stretched out for me. 
all shoulder pain, rotator cuffs, be healed in the name of Jesus because of the, 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 the rotator cuffs and the shoulders that were stretched out for me. All hypertension in the shoulders and in the back be released right now in the name of Jesus because of the tension that was placed on his back, because of what he carried on his shoulders. I don't have to carry anything else on my shoulders. His yoke is easy. That's the thing that goes around your neck. His yoke is easy. And his burden is light. Emotionally, man, we, we carry so much on our shoulders carry the weight of the world on our shoulders, but he already carried it for us. Release it and let it go. Let it roll off your back at the foot of the cross. Let it roll off your shoulders at the foot of the cross. Emotionally, we're so pulled in so many, I see the body of Jesus and I see the church so pulled in so many different directions and it's suffocating us. Our, our distraction with other people is suffocating us. Our distraction with gossip is suffocating us. Our distraction with politics is suffocating us. I call for you to focus on the cross. Let's not be pulled apart. Let's not be stretched this way and that way. Come back to the one faith, the one doctrine, the one baptism, the one Lord, the one Savior. There is one church arguing over little things, arguing over stuff that doesn't even matter. Come back to the one who died for us. Come back to the cross. Pulled in several directions, several different desires. And because we have so much lust and we desire so much success in so many areas, we don't ever actually achieve peace with God. Come back to this place. But he was pulled apart so that you can be put together. He was stretched apart so you could be focused. He was dislocated and disconnected so that you could be relocated and reconnected with his body. You're not called to be disconnected. I know you're, there's a pandemic and I know you're isolated, but you're not called to be disconnected. You can be by yourself and still connected with the body of Christ. I come against every spirit of division, every spirit of pulling, every spirit of, of, of isolation that would seek to, to make you believe that you are separated from the body. You are not separated. His body was dislocated so that now his body will not be dislocated. We are fitly joined together. We are fitly joined together. We are accurately put together. God puts you in the right church, puts you in the right city, puts you in the right people. Stop pulling yourself apart. It's killing you. Mm. Call for unity and fitly joined together. Tendons, spiritual tendons, emotional tendons wrapping around locking us in and then spiritually the wandering the pulling the wandering that's been happening Jesus was pulled apart for your wandering he was stretched stretched out wide for all the times that you intentionally went away from him and he's got it covered all you have to do is call on him. All you have to, have to do is repent. All you have to do is confess your sin. And he is faithful and just to forgive and to cleanse from all unrighteousness. The blood that ran down from his hands are still, is still available to you today. He, his blood was drained at the cross because he wanted to leave it on earth. Because it is the blood of Jesus that cleanses us from all sin. And he was killed according he was offered up according to the eternal spirit so it's applicable today you can reach out and you can apply the blood to your heart right now and as you move down to his back his back was stripped physically all back issues can you see your back through the cross here's another question do you have faith to believe that god can heal your back 
It's that simple. It's just that simple. Do I believe that God can heal my, do I believe he did it for my back, for my spine? for my muscles, for my uh, contorted spine, for my discs, for my vertebrae. Do I believe it was for me? If you, you, you can receive your healing today, I'm telling you, so many times in church we've had people just in worship. Why? Because worship is where we focus on the cross. So much healing happens in worship because when you focus on the cross, you see it was done for you and it activates your faith and you say, okay, if it was done for me, I can claim it for me. Faith is not just claiming whatever you want. Faith is looking at the word of God and saying, he said it, therefore I believe it, therefore I receive it. This is real faith. The word of God says he was, he was, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Chastisement that would bring us peace was, peace was laid upon him and by his stripes on his back we were healed. So healing comes through that physically, but also, man, you've been carrying so much emotional baggage on your back. Can you release it at the cross? Can you let go of your past, the stuff that's on your back that's behind you? And then the sin of our past, has he really forgiven it? After you confessed it, can you really stand on that? Can you really, with faith, stand on his forgiveness? I'm calling you to look at your past through the lens of the cross. His back was tore apart. Bits and pieces were pulled off of it. And there's been bits and pieces of you that's been pulled off of you from other people. But he was wounded for that. He carried that on the cross. He was pulled, torn, bits and pieces taken away from him so that you and I could be whole. So that the stuff that the, that the locust ate and the canker worm ate and the years that were destroyed by our own wasteful living could be repaired and restored in a moment. That in a moment, God could bring back everything the enemy took for, from us. God could bring back everything that people stole from us. God could be our provider and our restorer of the breach of the... Of the, of, of, of the places that were inhabitable they would become habitable again because God moved in them you come around to the front and you see a mostly unscarred Jesus except one one slit just over here in his left side just in his rib cage where the soldiers to make sure he was dead thrust a spear up in his side and it up toward his heart and it says blood and water flowed. Blood and water, blood and water. Now the reason most uh, doctors believe there would be water is if you have a water sack around your heart. And this would make sense with the previous account of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane as he's praying and his sweat becomes like blood. In other words, there was so much internal bleeding that it was getting into his, his sweat glands. So the internal bleeding, most believe, came from his heart, that his heart had ruptured in the Garden of Gethsemane. And it had formed a water sack around it. And that water sack was pierced. I don't know what heart issues you might have, but healing comes by putting faith in the heart that was pierced for you. Any stroke, any arteries that are clogged up, healing can come by putting faith in the arteries that were cut severed for you ruptured that means it got torn in two his heart broke 
And it wasn't just an emotional thing. It was a very real thing. He was carrying the weight of the entire world literally on his shoulders. He was dealing with every sin that you and I created. He was dealing with every emotional issue and physical issue all at once. And his human heart couldn't take it. So his human heart broke. But in order to keep beating, his human heart created a sack around it. And that sack was broken down so that all of the stuff you've created around your heart to help protect yourself could be broken down. All the excuses could be broken down. He's a friend of the wounded heart and of the broken heart, physically, but also emotionally. Spiritually, your heart, Jesus said, is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Worse than your worst nightmare. The gospel is that you are more sinful than you ever thought you were, but that his grace is greater than you ever imagined it was. And his love for you is greater than all of your sin. That he made a way for your heart and my heart, which even can do the right things for the wrong motives. <laughs> my heart lies to me all the time and tells me stuff and I, I can't trust it. My heart, his heart was wounded for my, so that my heart could be cleansed, so that Jeremiah's prophecy could be fulfilled. He said, in those days, I will take out from you a heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Do you believe that you can receive a new heart today, a clean heart, a pure heart, a heart of flesh that's sensitive to the voice of God, that's open to the voice of God and to the working of God? Do you believe that in a moment God can transplant who you were and you can go from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light at a heart level? It might take a while to work out in, the, in a mouth level, but from a heart level, He wants to give you a, a new heart as we work further down, you see Jesus hanging naked, actually, on the cross. So I don't know what kind of infertility issues you might have. I don't know what kind of cancer you might have in those areas. But he was exposed so that he could deal with the issues in your body. His body was exposed so that your body could be healed. And emotionally, he suffered great shame so that all the shame that you have suffered could be laid down at the foot of the cross. You are not coming before someone who doesn't know what it is to be abused. You're not coming before someone who doesn't know what it is to be taken advantage of. You're not coming before someone who doesn't know what it is to be laid out in public and to be made a spectacle of. You're, not, you're, you're coming before someone who understands your trauma call for you to bring that trauma to the foot of the cross. I call for you to identify, to see your past trauma, any kind of sexual abuse that you've, you've suffered. I call for you to see it through the lens of the cross. He also has suffered. He also has been traumatized. He also, just read the account of what the soldiers did to him before he got to the cross. He knows what it is to be victim and victorious in the same moment. <laughs> Victimized himself, victorious on our behalf. He wasn't victorious on his own behalf. He was victorious on our behalf. He conquered for us. He dealt with shame. He dealt with guilt. He dealt with the inability to be open for, in his own body for us, for our emotions and for our sin for ways in which we have traumatized others.
he still says, Father, forgive them. But they don't know what they're doing. Father, release them. Father, cover them. May the cross cover them. May they, it's as close as the confession of their mouth. It's as close as the confession of their lips. If we confess our sin, no matter how horrible our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive and to cleanse. Come down to his, his legs and his feet. We see, for those, we have some folks dealing with knee issues. I just call for you to see your knees through the, through the cross. Do you know Jesus' knees were not broken? The other two thieves, their knees were broken at the, at the end of the crucifixion. They wanted to make sure everybody was dead. And so they, they, broke, they broke their legs, most believe at the knee, so that they couldn't hold themselves up anymore. And they came to Jesus, and they didn't break his bones because they had, it had been prophesied that not a single bone would be broken. He would be pulled apart, disjointed, but he wouldn't be broken. The substance would be, the substruct would stay intact. And so they didn't break his knees. And I just, I just wonder if you, could, if you could receive the healing of God for your knee, no matter how long the infection's been there, no matter how long the soreness has been there, no matter how long the brokenness has been there or the fracture has been there, I wonder if you could receive that. That Jesus hung on the cross for my healing of my legs and his feet were nailed to the cross because the lowest point of him would need to have so much blood at that point because sometimes the lowest point of him is the highest point we can reach <laughs> but even like the woman with the issue of blood she had to crawl her way to Jesus she said if I can touch the hem of his garment if I can if, if, the, if, the, if the highest thing you can reach is the lowest part of him there's still enough blood and enough power in the lowest part of him to deal with your every need I'm telling you if you can just however high you can lift your hand you can connect with him say I'm not in church I don't, they don't have oil on my head it's okay La, uh, two weeks ago we went to uh, Dell Seton hospital and Amy's mom was in the hospital she couldn't breathe on her own she was on a ventilator uh, she couldn't hardly lift her hand she didn't have energy to breathe she didn't have the energy to hardly lift her hands and so a few of us stood outside of the hospital underneath some shade uh, Pastor JT me and Alan and Amy and then some of Amy's family and friends there was like you know 10 of us out there and uh, one of the nurses got her phone and used it as a, uh, as, a, as a video, it was like FaceTime with Amy so we could see her mom. And we just began praying for her mom. And, and, and the thing about it is, is God's plan isn't always healing in the sense that we think. So you have to be sensitive. God, what are you doing? What do you want to do in this season? And as I was praying, I really felt like, I, I really wasn't sure if this was Linda her name this was Linda's time to go but I did feel like even if it was his time her time to go that God wanted to do something in her life to glorify himself and so that's what I prayed God raised her up from this bed as a testimony to her kids and to her family and to everybody that's watching and a week and a day later she left the hospital on her own no ventilator and she's home right now. 
And that's awesome. You don't have to have somebody lay their hand on your head and get oil on your head for God to ask you, is my cross enough? Is my blood enough? Do you believe? And put your faith in it. On the same day, there was another Linda who was in another hospital, Dell, uh, no, not Dell, it was St. David's. It's the one right right up the road. And so this, this Linda was at a certain level of cancer. I forget what stage, but it was advanced. And so we, the three of us, just went up on the roof of the parking garage and we called this lady's daughter and said, hey, if you can see us, I know you're on the fifth floor in one of these buildings. We're in the middle. If you can see us, there's like three guys down here praying. And as we prayed, man, we really felt like this was Linda's time to go. She was a believer. And we just, we just sensed that. And so we said, Lord, just walk with her. Hold her hand. Comfort her family. Walk with her. And she passed away the next week. So the cross of Jesus is enough to bring you across Jordan too. It's enough to heal you, but don't be so afraid of death that you don't think the cross is enough to take you through that river, to take you through that trial, to take you through that crucible. It is enough. His grace is enough. Christians die differently than, than everybody else because we have someone who's going to hold our hand through it. So any of you dealing with terminal issue, this is your, you're sensing this is your time. I just speak peace over you. That you put your faith in Christ alone. You don't rely on your own works of any sort, but that you believe that Jesus' cross is enough. And you hold on to his hand through this. He'll be faithful to you. He'll walk with you. He, he will confirm to you that you are his. His Holy Spirit will speak to you, even if you can't even speak to somebody. And you're just watching this. Pray the Holy Spirit speak to you. Confirm that you are, in fact, a child of God. And if a child, an heir of the promises of God. <laughs> and his promises are yes and amen. So, Lord, I pray for everyone watching today. As we're getting ready to be dismissed, Lord, I just ask that you would reveal Jesus to us. Let us see the cross. Let us view of the cross. Let us examine the cross. Let us apply the blood of Jesus to our hearts and to our minds. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you. Thank you for joining us. Those of you that are here, thank you for joining us today. So glad that you're with us to honor God, to worship him. Hope you have a great day. You are dismissed. You may move about the cat.